2: If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
3: Me.
0: Focus
4: Features presents Back to Black.
3: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
4: Experience the music and her story.
3: Know like this. I ain't no spy Girl.
4: Like never before.
3: That's my daughter. That's my Amy.
4: On the big screen.
3: I wanna be remembered
4: for just being me. Amy Winehouse, back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R. Under 17, 90 minute without parent, only in theaters, May 17th.
2: You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life.
1: Oh, and welcome to Saver production of iheart radio I'm Annie Reese and
0: I'm Lauren Vogelbaum and today we have an episode for you about the semi-fictional foods of the hunger games
1: yes uh which when you suggested Lauren I have to admit I was like <laughs> um okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> that one's gonna be oh uh, interesting and a lot perhaps
0: yeah yeah I think I um I don't uh, uh, like okay like I like like I felt the same way when I suggested it like I <laughs> like I my brain was like oh what about the Hunger Games because I was looking for another you know fictional series that we could delve into and uh you know my eyes alighted on my copy of Mockingjay on my bookshelf and I was like oh
1: Hunger Games then I was like oh Hunger Games <laughs> <Like that>. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, we had a very interesting conversation about what we would possibly talk about, uh, and it, as you said, there are a lot of uh, academic articles and essays written about it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so here we are. <laughs> so here we are. It, it was
0: also like, it, like, like in preparation for this episode, I went ahead and reread the books. And um, I got to tell y'all that, like, these our are these, our, our modern times are just a heck of a time
1: to reread those books. Yeah, uh, I did not reread them. Good for uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so I'm very curious because I did. I remember when I first read them. Uh-huh. Um, I think I read them, I started reading them right when uh, Catching Fire came out, when the second one came out. Yeah, I
0: think that's right about when I started reading them, too.
1: Yeah, uh, and I had heard about them at Dragon Con. I remember they oh, were like this yeah. huge deal yeah, yeah. at Dragon Con. In fact, there was like a werewolf card game you could play that was Hunger Games based. I'm sure it was really <laughs> depressing. I didn't go do it, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure it was oh, no. very depressing. <laughs> oh, dear. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Our next game night, we'll see. Uh, But um, (laughs) I remember I was looking at, uh, you know, different uh, talks and things I could go to, and I kept seeing The Hunger Games. So I went out and found them. Yeah. Uh, And I stayed up. It was one of the last times I remember. Yeah, it was one of the last times I remember staying up late to read a book and to finish a book. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I got
0: really hooked on him. Um, my, one of my friends gave him to me and I was like, oh no. And like, I think I read the first one in like a night, like an actual, it was like one sitting book read. Um, yes. And so, right. So, so (laughs) I, yeah, uh, I was, I, I really, I really enjoyed reading the series. I mean, I was an adult when they came out, but that, you know, YA is for everybody. Okay. Um, and, it is, and then the movies came out, and it was a very strange experience for me um, going and seeing the films because there were all of these kids in the audience, and I was like, "Oh no,
1: <laughs>
4: yeah,"
0: but yeah. <laughs> but you have a different you have a different connection to the movies.
1: I do. I do. So I remember reading these and it was early in my acting career and I was no joke like the stereotypical. I was in my bed. I was visiting my parents that weekend. So I was in my like childhood bed Uh with a flashlight (laughs) reading them at night. Uh, And I remember thinking like, ooh, they're going to make these into movies. They're going to make these into movies. And this was early on in my acting career. And it was actually right around the time uh, 2011-2012 Was when I started at this uh, company, so uh a a couple years later. But yeah, right around that time, uh, I had started here, and I remember being like, "Oh, I should go audition for these because this is yeah, do this like right, yeah." And I I can shoot a bow and arrow. I have a bow and arrow like right in my entryway. No joke, that is true. Um, so I went and auditioned, and I got pretty far in the process. Uh, and, in fact, um, the video crew, which I was part of at the time, which included people like Ben Bolin and Matt Frederick, uh, Tyler Klang wrote me a very nice letter about, like, you know, good luck, you got this. Aww. Aww. It was very sweet. I did not get it. And as I was telling you, Lauren, it is one of the times where I'm like, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence Yeah. Like, like she did
0: an okay job. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah. Like, like, all
0: right. Like, that's, if you have to lose to someone, losing to Jennifer Lawrence is like,
1: well, yeah, all right. Uh, Okay. I see it. Uh, (laughs) And then a couple years later, when they started, I think the first one they filmed in North Carolina, the second one they filmed here, that one I got kind of a glorified, uh, extra role uh-huh. it's like a, a in between between extra and actor where you like get two lines but it's still not like a, sure a, a full flow featured full role blish. yeah yeah and uh I I got it and I did it it was a whole thing but it got cut due to drama and I won't go into it oh. because if I do I'm gonna be full of rage but <laughs> oh no uh, it is hard for me to watch them now uh, just because of that. And it's not because, like, they're I enjoyed them. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. But, but it is a but, very personal where I'm like, oh. Yeah.
1: All right. Oh,
0: heck. Yeah, mm. after, I, <laughs> I, like, after I suggested the topic, I remembered that also you had had that experience. Like, I've heard that story before. And I was like, oh, no. Did I just do the thing, like, again where I'm like, hey, Annie, you want to think about something that depresses you really hard for a while?
1: <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, actually that's fair. It's you, so you're like, Yeah, I do, but
1: <laughs> yeah. angsty stuff, I love it. I I'm like it's one of those things where every time I watch it, I enjoy. It. It's not like I, I'm hating the whole thing. Okay. It's just kind of hard to take that initial, you know, step. Sure. To turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> but once I do, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh, sure. Is very upsetting in a lot of ways that don't relate to me because the story <laughs> is upsetting. <laughs> but uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, you know, I don't know, like uh. We can we we can go into it as we go through it. Like like the movies like aren't necessarily for me. I, I do still I, I really enjoyed rereading the books in like a kind of masochistic way. Um, uh, <laughs> you know like like the movies, the movies are cute. Like there's like the costuming is beautiful. The actors are all mm-hmm. top notch. Um, but uh, but I don't know. Like like there's like the elements of the books that I enjoyed, like the obsessive detailing about the food, l- are kind of absent. You know. Yeah. Because they were focusing mm-hmm. on other stuff. And that's understandable. But, uh, but yeah, I don't
1: know. Yeah. I did read a lot of interesting articles about the difficulty of making those into. Sure. And kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 hmm. All right. Well, I guess that brings us to our question. Uh,
0: yeah, because, I, you know, probably all of you have heard of this franchise, but there might be some of you who are extremely confused right now. Indeed,
1: and for you, we ask the question: The Hunger Games. What are they?
0: Well, um, uh, the the Hunger Games, I, I guess, can mean a few things, but uh, but in, 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 at top level, uh, mm-hmm. it's a media franchise based on a trilogy of young adult books by one Suzanne. Collins. Uh, the first book published in 2008 with sequels Catching Fire and Mocking Jay, releasing over uh, like like one a year for the next two years which is Nutbar. Um, <laughs> there are also four films based on the three books the final one being Split into Two Movies um, which began releasing in 2012 and also followed a yearly schedule which is even more Nutbar. Um, mm-hmm. And a prequel young adult novel came out in twenty twenty called the ballad of songbirds and snakes and i have to say may of 2020 what was even more of a heck of a time to be reading a book
1: like that that was hoofda yeah uh so i purchased it and then have not
3: read it yet <laughs>
1: oh wow oh you're like saving it oh no i know i was like well uh, i'll wait for a good day for this one and then it was continually not good days
0: <laughs> yeah um it's it's they're, they're very dystopian like it's uh okay so so the series is about the world of pen Uh, which is this dystopian society that has replaced the United States and North America at some unknown future date. Um, The the country, Penem is separated into 13 um, enslaved, destitute production districts, um, each responsible for creating specialized goods based on the resources that they have there, like um, lumber or coal or uh, food crops or electronics or nuclear weapons. Those 13 uh, production districts, plus their ruling capital district, which is a city of excess and arts and self interest run amok. Uh, at some point in Panem's history, the enslaved districts rebel and thus begins a long civil war, at the end of which the capital wins and institutes the titular Hunger Games, um, which is a yearly punishment. Wherein a boy and a girl called tributes from every district uh, except the capital are, are selected by lottery and then forced to fight each other to the death in an arena with a sole survivor. Um, and this develops over the decades into a glamorous, macabre reality entertainment event. Um, so the trilogy opens. The the first trilogy opens, uh, seventy four years after the institution of the Hunger Games, and it follows this teen girl, Katniss Everdeen, um, who Annie was auditioning for, um, through her survival uh, before, and during, and after the games, and um, and they're really about how she she brings hope and dearly bought freedom um, to herself and the people of Panem. Uh, the prequel. Meanwhile, is about how the leader of the Capitol in the trilogy, one President Snow, struggled to prominence some like 60 years earlier and inadvertently A, helped create the games as Katniss and we all know them, and B, really set the stage for Katniss ultimately kicking his butt, which is <laughs> real fun. <laughs>
1: Ooh, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, it's a little bit heavy-handed. I
1: love it. It's I appreciate it. <laughs> Spoilers, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> no, I have no idea what it could be, and I'm excited to find out. <laughs> Huzzah. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Well, uh, Suzanne Collins is an American writer who was born in Connecticut in 1962. Her father was in the Air Force, and so the family moved around a lot when she was a kid. She got her start writing um, for kids and, like, preteen shows in the early 90s, mostly on Nickelodeon, like, including Clarissa Explains It All and The Mystery mm-hmm. Files of Shelby Woo, which, if you're, you know, like, like me, that like, writing for Clarissa Explains It All is the best feather one could possibly have in their cap. I'm like, dang, <laughs> that's cool. I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway based on based on her experience in that she uh, started writing uh, children's books about a decade later in the early 2000s and yeah she frequently incorporates these themes of uh, war and poverty and rebellion into these science fiction and fantasy stories for young audiences and and she's spoken in interviews about um, being super interested in just war theory Um, not like like just a war, but like just war, like ju- like justifiable war. Yeah, um, you know, like when and how it can be morally right to wage war. Uh, she cites Greek mythology as being a major influence, which you can really see once you start looking in um, in the arena and the characters' names and like a lot of the tropes that she uses. There has Mm -hmm. been some criticism of the series for for copying stuff like um, like the film Battle Royale and uh, Running Man and The Long Walk. But honestly, I think that they're all just pulling from the same classical tropes. Um, I will say if anyone has ever seen the Japanese film Battle Royale, like it's a little uncannily similar in tone. But Mm -hmm. but she claims Mm -hmm. that she didn't know that that existed when she created this. And I, I I have not but to believe her. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Collins has said that she got the idea for Hunger Games specifically when she was surfing channels and like flipped by reality television and a war news broadcast in rapid succession, and she was like, "Huh? Oh no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah." She was like, "There's something here. Oh no!" <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but. We are ostensibly a food show. Uh, and he just shrugged. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and food does play an, uh, an intricate, uh, integral role in the series.
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, even though at first I was like, mm, what are we going to talk about with this? Because these are about starvation a lot. So that's yeah. Low, but Yeah, which we are going to talk about. We are. We are. But, uh, yeah, uh, food is often used to represent control, power, class, wealth, Life, Hope, Love, Comfort, and Even Luxury. The title itself demonstrates how food has been weaponized and how hunger can be used as a tool. And when children are chosen at the reaping to be tributes in this game, uh, they can enter their name more than once for a small supply of oil and grain. So you're kind of increasing the likelihood that you'll be chosen with the hope that you'll get some food.
0: Uh, yeah, because because death by starvation isn't uncommon in the poorer districts. Uh, and this is purposeful on the part of the capital to keep the people struggling so that they don't rebel again. Um, like in the first book, Katniss is thinking about the history of, of the rebellion and the country and how little she knows about it um, due to like probably intentional misinformation or disinformation from the capital. But then she immediately thinks like whatever the truth is, I don't see how it will help me get food on the table
1: yeah uh, oof,
0: um, yeah. And along those lines, um the the winner um of the games every year and their whole district are gifted with a little bit more food, like a tiny bit more food yeah. and and even delicacies like like
1: sugar or candy or tinned meat or applesauce, right. And then in the cornucopia uh where the games are held um especially in the first one is what i'm thinking of it's where there are weapons and supplies uh are located where like you could either choose to rush towards when it starts Uh
0: uh-huh
1: or avoid because everyone else
0: is going to rush towards them and maybe you know kill you
1: kill you yeah um but a cornucopia You know, in our our traditional understanding, it's a symbol of nourishment, especially with food. and plenty, right. Exactly. Like, that's on our, like, Thanksgiving flags people will put out as a cornucopia. Um, And this is sort of an example of how that can be weaponized or how food can be weaponized or lack of food can be weaponized.
0: Yeah. um, Even within the games themselves, uh, hunger is a major issue. Uh, Successful tributes may receive uh, food items like like broth or bread being uh, dropped in by drones from from sponsors who are betting on the event, Uh, destroying enemies' food supply. In the arena is a winning strategy, um, and sometimes the game makers will spice things up if there's, like, not enough children killing each other um, by calling a feast, Um, sometimes with literal food, sometimes with other supplies or weapons, uh, but all of which are, again, as a perversion of the idea of feast, of the idea of plenty. Um, It's really just intended to draw tributes out to fight.
1: For their entertainment. Yep. Yeah. Um, yes. And again, food and lack of it is used to paint a stark portrait between the waste and decadence of the capital with their rich foods, and we're going to get into this later. But use of a sort of vomitorium type thing, mm-hmm. uh, so they can eat and drink as much as they want, against the poor citizens who are starving. Like we have these very stark contrast, mm-hmm. uh, very stark contrast going on. On top of that, the food. Uh, they're enjoying, requires those less well off, uh, though they're enjoying in the capital, requires those less well off than them producing it. So, again, those yeah. districts are providing that for them. Um, for those who are food insecure, like Katniss, food can represent affection, safety, options, uh, and love. It, it is a very powerful symbol throughout. Yeah. In an interaction with Effie, who is from the capital and all about decorum and manners, uh, Effie laments some of the previous competitors had no manners and ate everything with their hands. Katniss informs her that those kids had never in their lives had enough to eat. Like, let
0: alone learned table manners. Like,
1: they certainly exactly. were not going to, to finishing school. <laughs> Exactly. And to further drive home her point, Katniss uses her fingers for the rest of the meal and wipes them on the tablecloth. And this is just one example of many of using food as a form of rebellion, which we've seen in our own actual history as well, whether through protest cookbooks or underground markets of foods that have been banned as a form of control and or as ways to erase cultures. So... The, again, like, you can find so many essays about this. It was really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's clearly very, very carefully constructed
1: on Suzanne Collins' part. hmm uh, Another example, when Katniss gets frustrated, when... Uh, there's, like, this scene where the the tributes have to showcase their skills and that allows Uh for the game makers or sponsors to decide like, Oh, I think they'll survive or they won't survive. Yeah.
0: It's really important for, um, for getting those gifts within the arena from sponsors who are betting on you. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so she's, uh, showing off her skills with a bow to the game makers and sponsors and they're essentially ignoring her. Um, so she shoots an arrow through an apple in their pig roast mouth. To get their attention. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh does a really, like, <laughs> rebellious bow and walks out. That's yep. Pretty, yep. Mm. Mm.
0: Uh, right. And uh, both literal and symbolic foodstuffs just abound. Um, a lot of the plot, both inside and outside of the arena, focuses on the characters just trying to get enough to eat and drink to live. And mealtimes are featured super often, like probably every chapter, um, as events around which the characters congregate and form and uh, deform relationships with each other and make decisions. Um, another another symbolic one, Katniss, is a name for, a, for an edible plant. Um, it's a, It's a starchy edible tuber with... Arrowhead shaped leaves. Oh, she's ah. an archer. Uh? Mm-hmm. anyway. Um <laughs> and uh and her parents named her in the book, her parents named her after that plant because it's like a form, it's like a pretty flower and it's a form of sustenance. And you know, it's 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 all of these things. Um, but uh but you know, like when you when you dig into the character, like it is the necessity of Katniss having to hunt illegally with a bow and arrow, to obtain enough food for her family to survive that makes her a strong contender in the games. Um, you know, because of that, she's she's physically fit. She can use the bow and arrow. Um, she knows how to forage and find fresh water, knows a little bit about plants as medicine. And so it's those skills that the capital forced her to learn um, and her performance in those games that the capital forced her to participate in that eventually let her bring down the capitol. Um, mm-hmm. it's it's really on the nose, but also <laughs> super interesting to dig into. I love it. Mm-hmm. I read <laughs> uh, and um and a lot of the food that's described, in the books, sounds really good. Uh, there have been a number of unofficial cookbooks published with recipes for recreating dishes that are mentioned in and inspired by the books, um, including uh, lamb stew with plums and various types of bread, uh, some like rustic tarts, rich hot chocolate, stuff
1: like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I hesitate to ask, <laughs> Uh What about the nutrition... <laughs>
0: Don't eat media franchises. <laughs> mm.
1: Be careful in your consumption. Of oh, <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a dystopian, <laughs> maybe a dystopia sci-fi series is not is not what anyone should be consuming right now. I can't tell you what to do. I don't know. It's true.
1: Everyone's different in where they find their comfort. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) And it seems like. These, this book, these books, this franchise was a big hit because we do have some numbers for you.
0: Oh, we do. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so together with her other book series, Collins has sold over a hundred million books worldwide, translated into over 50 languages. Um, the first Hunger Games book spent six years on the New York Times bestseller list. Wow. Huh. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, like like with the movies coming out, it was a it was a phenomenon. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, The prequel, um, which was right released in May of 2022, did 500,000 sales its first week, Um, which is not shabby considering like how early in the pandemic shutdown that was. Like you probably couldn't go to a bookstore and get it. So. Yeah. 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 there is a lot of discussion also about how um, the series was kind of like the apex of the young adult boom of the early 2000s, like building on um, Harry Potter and Twilight before it, and also making room for a lot of development in the genre afterwards. Mm-hmm. I guess, speaking of, yeah, uh, the first film made more money on opening weekend than the first Harry Potter or Twilight film. Uh, the film series grossed nearly three billion dollars worldwide. Um, apparently, Ooh. reportedly, Lionsgate <laughs> bought the rights for just a uh, two hundred thousand dollars. So, hoofda. Oh.
1: oh my. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: hoofda. Oh my. <laughs> uh,
0: there is a Lionsgate Studio theme park, uh, sort of like Universal Studios here in the states. It's in Dubai. I think it's mm-hmm. called Motiongate. And it features two Hunger Games-themed rides, um, a roller coaster called the Capitol Bullet Train. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Because uh-huh. in the series, they take this bullet train to the Capitol. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and a motion simulator called the Penem um, Aerial Tour. And then there is a meet-and-greet slash photo op with actors that they've dressed up as Effie Trinket.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Ooh, like take a selfie with Effie. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, indeed. Okay, listeners, this is important. If any of you have been have seen this, Oh. oh my <laughs> Oh yeah, I need the photographic evidence of that immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: Uh, right, like I like if if you haven't consumed the series, uh, as as Annie was kind of saying earlier, like like Effie is this woman from the Capitol who is just a just a complete symbol of the excess and kind of like uh, frivolousness of the Capitol, mm. just completely self-involved. Um, uh, v- like like everything that she does is expensive, and yes. she loves it. Um, mm-hmm. so that's weird. Um. Yeah. Uh, there's also a Hunger Games The Exhibition in Las Vegas. Um, it has some 25 costumes from the films, a props collection, 11 set recreations, and interactive features like an archery range. You yeah. can also, from, from this, you can purchase a limited edition Capital Couture water bottle for $2,400 or a, um, a Girl on Fire clutch for 2400 uh, $2,700. Um, both are uh, studded in crystals. That uh, that brand name that I can never pronounce, that one. Starts with an S. <laughs> I don't know. There's a W in there somewhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I, I've read many essays that were like, this is a once again an example of like capitalism messing with an anti-capitalist.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah it's real awkward um there have been there have been other like really questionable merch tie-ins like um capital themed makeup palettes i'm like
1: oh no 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 no. i'm always like do do you get you're missing the point or do you not get you're missing the point i'm just curious
0: right Um, because like if you if you're just leaning in I think mm. that's very questionable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. I would second that.
3: Uh, uh, well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, food. Yeah. According to <laughs> one article I read, food is mentioned over 100 times in the first book of the series alone. Yeah, as I was going through
0: I tried to bookmark all the references to food in the series but I think I gave up after a while. I was like, uh that one isn't that one isn't like like juicy in some kind of metaphorical way. So heck it, I can't <laughs>
1: got to draw the line somewhere. I can't
0: bookmark it every time they talk about this lamb stew. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, the lamb stew. We're going to talk about <laughs> We are. We are. Yes.
0: And yes. a lot more of the foods that are featured prominently in the books. Um, but first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsors.
3: just
4: being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
3: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time, time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from at&t fiber get what you want without the complicated at&t fiber live like a guggillionaire available wherever you will get your podcast limited availability in select areas visit at and for details this is
2: it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future
1: The world of The Hunger Games essentially contains food and drinks that we mostly recognize uh, from our own world because it's, like, supposed to be <laughs> our own world just in the future dark times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and because part of the genre that it's in is, like, action survival, you do follow the characters, like, through their daily grind. And you get, therefore, to see a lot of what they eat. Um And every district has its own biome and socioeconomic structure. And so you sometimes get to see what some of those subcultures uh, do with that on a very granular level. Um, The places that you get to see the most from are uh, District 12, where Katniss is from, and the capital. So District 12 is what we know today as Appalachia. Um, So... You've got stuff that you would expect there, like uh, goats more for milk than for meat because money, you know, Um, uh, chickens for eggs, herbs and seasonings like uh, basil and chamomile and mint, uh, pine tips and tree bark, fruit like apples and blackberries and strawberries and grapes, uh, nuts, freshwater fish, vegetables like dandelion greens and tubers and wild onions, game like rabbits, squirrels, wild turkey, duck, and even wild dog. Quote, we don't hunt them on purpose, but if you're attacked and you take out a dog or two, well, meat is meat. Mm -hmm. A lot of this is obtained illegally by poaching on capital land outside of the residential bounds of the district. um, And by trading on the black market, even for things like salt. There's also moonshine to be had, but all the capital really sends them is like oil and grain. Enough for like rough bread and mush, and they're mm-hmm. like allowed to have herb gardens and chickens and goats, and that's kind of it. Yep. Yeah. There are some uh, nicer things, not that any of those things are not nice, um, but mm-hmm. fancier things, I guess, made legally in town, like uh, cookies and cakes at uh, one of the main characters, uh, PETA Mullark's family bakery, though most of the residents cannot afford them, including said bakers. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't spend a lot of time in the other districts, but um, but like District Four, which is the seaside district, uh, strongly suspect it's the Gulf of Mexico, like like around New Orleans. They have uh, seafood, like fish and oysters, and uh, traditional spicy sauces for them. You you kind of get the idea through the books that that District Twelve is actually lucky in a way because there isn't a whole lot of attention on them. And also, Appalachia is, like, rich with wild food sources. So with those two things combined, they can eke out a pretty comfortable living. Some of the more um, industrial districts have it a lot harder.
1: Right. Um, so now, let's talk about the Capitol. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, yes, Katniss goes from, you know, this District 12 situation, sees the Capitol. When she first arrives, she is shocked by the bounty and the richness of food.
0: Yeah, her her very first uh, capital-served meal, like on the train there, uh, sounds, you know, nice but simple to us, but it's just incredible to her. Uh, quote, a thick carrot soup, green salad, lamb chops and mashed potatoes, cheese and fruit, a chocolate cake. I've never had food like this, so good and so much. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Uh, But right, uh, uh, the Capitol features uh, things like breakfasts of ham and eggs and fried potatoes and chilled fruit and pancakes and sausages, orange juice and coffee and hot chocolate. Lunches of uh, a dish of creamy chicken and oranges uh, with green peas and pearl onions or pheasant with jewel colored jellies or fish cakes with a creamy lime paste. Uh, Snacks of goose liver and puffy bread. Dinners of mushroom soup or cream and rose petal soup. Uh, rare roast beef, arugula salad, uh, flaming cakes, delicate custards, and fine wines. All kinds, all kinds of stuff.
1: Yes. And uh, as mentioned, her favorite dish is lamb stew. Um, but she's horrified by this excess. Uh, one event she attends with PETA features essentially. As we said, a vomitorium. Uh, there are substances to induce vomiting and a room to do so in so that those who partake too much can continue to keep partaking. Can yeah. Keep it going. <laughs>
0: like that is the point. Like they have these little, yep. these little uh, uh, glasses of, yeah, like you eat too much and then you go throw it up and then you eat too much again.
3: Mm-hmm. While people
0: are starving in the districts, um, and and this is specifically they find this out at a lavish feast in their honor, Oof. uh, <laughs> that has it has like twenty soups and like whole roasted cows on spits, uh, waterfalls mm-hmm. of wine, yeah, the whole thing,
1: and, yep, yeah, it definitely. I read another essay that was about like how this was sort of a fattening up of like. Pigs for the slaughter. Oh, of, of sure. all of them the stuff, and anyway, uh, yeah, we see so many instances of those in the capital, eating these lavish feasts, unthinking and unconcerned, like not even just sort of mindlessly eating. Yeah. Uh, while they watch these children starve and kill each other for their entertainment. Um, in in the books, you find out that
0: there are tours of previous game arenas. Uh, quote, you can even take part in reenactments. They say the food is excellent.
2: Oof. Oof.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> oh, the capital. Oh mm. my goodness. Um all of this though is um contrasted with uh, this this very utilitarian city that turns out to be the seat of the rebellion and also kind of turns out to be not that great themselves. Um, and this is the literally underground district 13. They have indoor farms that produce enough food for the population, but everything is really precisely calorically scientifically uh, measured. Uh, you know, stuff like um, uh, breakfasts of hot grain and a cup of milk with a scoop of fruit or vegetable on the side, like mashed turnips one day. And I do think it's super interesting how n- neither neither of these political bodies, the Capitol or District 13, are nice. Um, both Both of them are ultimately kind of the enemies of the people. Um, but you know, it really Collins really shows how that the positive opposite of excess is not simplicity necessarily.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or this like absolute control.
0: Right. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, um. You do also uh, get to in the in the prequel book go into um, the the past of the Capitol, and you find out there that um, that during that civil war that led to the Hunger Games being created, the rebels cut off the food supply to the Capitol as uh, as a strategy of war, which resulted in this starvation situation in the Capitol. So. People who were wealthy previous to the Civil War and who wind up being wealthy again by the events of of the main book series grew up very hungry, up to and including um, the antagonist President Snow. So, you know, things that he grew up eating were like like thin cabbage soup and lima beans and canned milk. Your ration coupons never really got you quite enough. And the citizens of the Capitol also turned to black markets. Like they think that they're so like they act like they're so above black markets in Katniss's mm-hmm. time, but they also turned to that and went even further to cannibalism when they got desperate.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And also, you you do see some of the uh, some of the better food of the capital from that time, and it, like sort of sweetly to me, um, Collins Collins wrote it as being very like like mid mid nineteenth century, like mid century. 1900s kind of food, um, like creamed ham on toast, uh, meatloaf sandwiches, roasts with onions and potatoes, uh, bread pudding, apple pie, uh, fried dough and pink lemonade for a celebration, stuff like that.
1: Huh. Yeah. That is interesting. (laughs) Uh, Well, perhaps one of the most prominent foods in the Hunger Games is bread. Yes. Um, After all, Panem, uh, bread is a part of the name. Yes. Um, Right.
0: right, Panem is a Latin word for bread, um, best known today, and this is mentioned in the books, from the Latin phrase bread and circuses, which is shorthand uh, for how you can control a population, like get them to give up their power if you just give them basic food and entertainment.
1: Right. Uh, And there's a fascinating history behind all of that. That I had to stop myself from going <laughs> down, but <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you have Peta's name. Peta's name in itself—that is so funny to me because I never, I never thought about
0: it. Like pita bread, I, yeah. I always assumed it was like pita, like a, um, like a derivation of Peter. Um, oh. But I, but I love, I love that you saw pita bread in it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
1: Am I the only one? <laughs> no. Uh, bread does evolve from a symbol of survival, a symbol of rebellion, and a symbol of control with rationing, yes, throughout these books. Yeah. Uh, when
0: Katniss, for example, first lays eyes on the Mockingjay pin uh, that becomes her symbol throughout the books, uh, she finds this this ornament, like, ridiculously impractical. Um, she thinks... Real gold, beautifully crafted. It could keep a family in bread for a year.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, breads Our variations of bread become a way of sending coded messages, um, and also a a reward. Uh, for example, when Katniss kisses Peeta for the audience, she's like trying to play up and get these sponsors on board with sending food and supplies mm-hmm. uh, during the games. In the first book, uh, Katniss and Peeta get a small feast from them, including rolls. Uh, in return for this display. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: hmm
1: And to thank Katniss for how she honors competitor Rue in the first book, uh, Rue's district sends Katniss a loaf of bread. In the shape of a crescent sprinkled with seeds. Quote, What must it have cost the people of District 11 who can't even feed themselves? How many would have had to do without to scrape up a coin to put in a collection for this one loaf? And yeah, this is a big deal, um, and a sign of the districts coming together early on. Because generally, before that, the districts never showed support for someone for a tribute outside of their district.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so this is a show of support for someone outside of their district, and in that is it, and in that it's quiet defiance, and mm-hmm. the withholding of food or personal rationing uh, later on. Uh, With Katniss and, like, at large, later becomes also an act of rebellion and defiance. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, this whole idea of people rising up against their government due to lack of food does have a historical basis. And as a sustaining staple food for many cultures, bread has been a symbol of that more than once. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Early on in the first book. Peta tosses a starving Katniss, two burnt loaves of bread that he was instructed to throw away, an act he was punished for. And she remembers him often after that as the boy with the bread and reflects he was uh, solid and warm as these bread loaves and that this was the, quote, bread that gave Katniss hope.
0: Yeah, this was kind of the first time that they really met each other when they were kids. And it's sort of what drives their relationship for, for the rest of the series.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and in an interview about District 12, PETA tells the interviewer that toasting bread is a part of wedding rituals in District 12.
0: In the prequel, it comes out that District 2 has a funerary practice of uh, sprinkling crumbs over the deceased.
1: One thing I loved is there's so many essays that were like plays on gender roles. Oh, oh um, yeah, gender, yeah, R O L L S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because the fact that <laughs> PETA is a baker and Katniss is a hunter is a bit of a traditional gender roles flip.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean he's he's definitely the artist of the two of them, and she is definitely like the warrior of the two of them. Um and it is a plot point that he is a skilled painter um from
1: his experience decorating baked goods, which I love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Katniss and Peeta participate in a small act of rebellion when they dip pieces of bread into their hot chocolate. Again, early on in the first book, which is not proper to those that live in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And in one moment, a wafer with Katniss's symbol on it is a way to communicate with others to let them know whose side you're on. Yeah, like a like special coin or something. Yeah. Uh, a member of Katniss's prep team, Octavia, one time sneaks her a role as a gesture of solidarity in the capital. So she's kind of telling Katniss, like, I'm on your I side. I see you. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and then Octavia is later in District 13 severely beaten for trying to steal extra helpings of bread. And Katniss goes on to say, after the incident, uh, pushes her to rebel against Coin of, of uh, 13. The president of 13, 13 yeah. Mm-hmm. That Katniss is doing it for anyone who has been treated like that for taking a slice of bread.
0: Yeah, there's so much like capital S symbolism. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, like, like some of it, I was like, oh dear. Like, um, like Rue's death comes in the form of a spear to the stomach.
1: Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Uh.
0: The other capital S symbolism. Thing is uh, is berries?
1: Yes, uh, berries pop up throughout the books, often as a symbol of sacrifice. The first book opens with Katniss and Gale uh, sharing bread and berries, for instance.
0: Yeah, they're like safe meeting place out in the wild. Uh, they're like happy place together. Is right behind this thicket of blackberry bushes. Um, also, the bread that they eat in that scene is bread that Gail got from Peta's family bakery.
1: Capital S. Symbolism. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, Katniss uses berries to hide the taste of a sleeping concoction she gives to Peeta when he's injured in the first games. Mm -hmm. Um, They also symbolize Katniss's knowledge of the land, uh, something she had to learn after her father's death. And then in the climactic end of the first book, Peeta and Katniss are the last two participants in the games. Unwilling to kill each other, they prepare to each eat poisonous berries that will kill them, meaning there will be no winner. Uh, the powers that be panic and stop them before they can, declaring them to both be the winners. Uh, the berries represent a choice for them and a way for them to exert control over their own lives. Yeah. Um,
0: late, later later in the series, uh, the, the same berries, which are called Nightlock, are made into suicide pills for the rebels in case they're captured so oofta
1: yeah just a reminder Y a. (laughs) a young adult (laughs) books (laughs) right oh man
0: yeah they're Uh they're very intense um but uh that that's that's a that's that's most of what we have to say about the hunger games i i kind of wanted to end on a a nice quote, like sort of like like one of the things that as I was reading the books made me made, like really cemented their connection to food in my mind. Yeah? Okay. Yes. So this is from mockingjay And pardon pardon me if you hear any like book noises in the background. I'm reading this out of again a physical book on paper. I love it. Right. <laughs> Weird. I know. Um, and this is a moment from from District 13. Um uh Katniss, Katniss is narrating. She says, I'm starving and the stew is so delicious. Beef, potatoes, turnips and onions in a thick gravy that I have to force myself to slow down. All around the dining hall, you can feel the rejuvenating effect that a good meal can bring on. The way it can make people kinder, funnier, more optimistic and remind them it's not a mistake to go on living. It's better than any medicine. So I try to make it last and join in the conversation.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, goodness. Not gonna lie, listeners, there were several times where I was like, one, oh, yes, this is a food food podcast throughout this. (laughs) Two, I just kept thinking of the poor souls who have never uh, interacted with this franchise. (laughs) <laughs> and you must be very confused at some of the elements, uh, but you know, hopefully, you you picked up generally what we were putting down.
0: <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, we mm-hmm. always we always try um, we to, to to make it interesting, even for humans who are unfamiliar. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. And oh goodness, I. I will. I I also do want to say that I like part of me is so mad that these didn't come out until I was an adult because Mm -hmm. I would have been a nut bar for these books as a kid. Like this Mm -hmm. would would have been so up young lauren's alley like it's it's action and adventure and like the protagonist lady like isn't that into kissing she thinks it's (laughs) weird and like it's a whole series about eating and like you follow these characters moment to moment but nobody ever poops nobody (laughs) ever poops they don't discuss it young lauren would have flipped
1: I love that's one of your
0: (laughs) like like disgusting murders no poop
1: okay love it it. (laughs) (laughs) children killing each other (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Uh, I mean they're they're quick and easy reads like I remember like I said I was up all night reading them so yeah yeah I hesitate, I keep wanting to say I recommend them. I do, but they are mentally taxing.
0: they are uh, they're intense they are. right. yeah, and like <laughs> given that we're living in a dystopia right now, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, ooh.
1: yeah, <sighs> yeah, so uh, you know, tread with caution, yeah, tread with caution.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you think. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, please do. Uh, Well, I guess we should close the book on this for now. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, But speaking of letting us know what you think, we do have some listener mail
1: for you. We do, but we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: This episode is brought to you
1: by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies.
4: just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
3: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time, time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber. Live like a guggenheim man. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit AT&T.com/hypergig for details.
2: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future.
1: And we're back with listener, listener mail. I can't remember how the, the mocking jays. Oh,
0: <laughs> um, that, that would have been, and that's kind of what I started to do because he started on a high note and I was like, oh, are we going there? Um, it would have been a listener mail ish. Oh. I just did it really atonally. It wouldn't be like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm glad we've cleared it up. Yep. I, I can hear it in my head, but it's one of those things where it's, like, so foggy, it wasn't happening. Even though I can, like, remember it, the The brain to malfunction, it didn't happen. That's fair. It didn't happen. That's fair.
0: <laughs> I have a hard time whistling it. Like, I've tried to, because that's what I've been up to for the past week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also yeah. have, like, that one song... In my oh, head, yep. the hanging tree, really mm-hmm. hard. I've been mm-hmm. torturing my roommates with it. You're welcome,
1: roommates. I'm sure they love it. I'm sure. Positive. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, Sheldon wrote It seems these days that more and more of your topics are something I know nothing about. <laughs> hmm. Maybe it's me, probably is, or maybe not. In any case, today I made a batch of croutons. Because one of my granddaughters loves them. It? (laughs) 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 While making them, I thought that they would make an interesting, obscure topic to much of the world. As far as I know, there's no English word for it because it's pretty much unknown outside of Quebec and its environs. What is it? Hmm. I call it poor man's pâté. Cooked down pork, pork fat, onions, garlic, and some spices. It's usually spread on toast for breakfast, although my granddaughter likes it on bread to bring to school for her lunch. Hmm. And just in case you would ever want to do one on crouton, you have to know how to pronounce it. Okay. Uh, The crout is pronounced just like the crouton. In the word crust. This is so fun. The <laughs> S is silent and the all is pronounced like the all in the word only, but barely pronouncing the letter in. As I know you love Lauren <laughs> with French. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I hope I got it somewhat close. Uh I in fact, yes, I've never ever heard of this. Me it sounds either. great. <laughs> I mean, it sounds delicious. hmm Um, I would love to talk about it. And perhaps make some. Oh.
0: I really want to go to Quebec.
1: Okay. Me too.
0: (laughs) All right. Well. Um, Thank you. Thank you for making me hungry for something I've never had. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things to be, actually. (laughs) Uh, Randall wrote, my girlfriend made a lamb cake, and I really wanted her to use green icing because the thing looked like baby Yoda. Or perhaps a demon. You can decide. (laughs) She (laughs) used a pound cake batter. Um, And then there's a tuna ring made from Pillsbury crescent rolls. Pop the can. Um, It is a simple and fun dish to make and serve. If you don't know, um, you just pinwheel out the crescent roll triangles onto a baking sheet, uh, spoon on your favorite tuna salad, top with cheese, and fold over the points. Put it in a 375 oven for 12 to 15 minutes or until the rolls are golden. Good to check. Uh, The recipe says serves four, but two is more like it. (laughs) And I have a red currant bush in my backyard. They have seeds, by the way. I can usually fend off the birds long enough to harvest four cups for a currant pie. I keep the seeds in because they're small and don't bother me. I use a flaky pie dough, which usually entails swearing and perhaps throwing stuff in frustration as I am rolling it out. Not my favorite activity.
1: (laughs) Agreed. Yeah,
0: yeah. Pie crust can be a whole thing. I y'all, I only ever buy store like like pre
1: made pie crusts. It's not worth it to me. (laughs) I have a simple ish recipe, but it it makes you miserable even so. Um, Just because it's so cold, it it you like freeze the butter and then you use it. You grate it to make Uh little pieces, but it gets so cold. Um, So I I understand, and I often buy pre pre made pie crust easy yeah delicious. refrigerated or frozen
0: it's it's mm-hmm. fine it is just it is like not it's not quite as good as
1: homemade pie crust but it's close enough yeah without the the misery exactly. um <laughs> that's sometimes involved <laughs> i do love we got uh some two recipes in a row in these episodes yeah um i have a friend that loves this the the, the pinwheel crescent roll type recipes and i totally forgot about it so i'm glad you brought this back to my Yeah, memory.
0: I don't think I've had one of these before, but now I'm like, that sounds Ooh, delicious.
1: They're so good. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then also, yeah, I love a lamb cake that could be a demon Ooh, or a baby Yoda. <laughs> Yoda that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> they do, they really do
0: have the ears.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can see it. I can see it. Uh, <laughs> well...
4: Puerto Rico, where visits end but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents? Learn more and plan your trip at DiscoverPuertoRico.com.
2: Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the I Radio Music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
0: We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope.